nor deliver me into the hands of my master because he will kill me. <laughs> and I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing. They were parting hard because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all. Someone said David recovered all. And the Amalekites had, that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them. There shall be nothing lacking to you in the name of Jesus. At the end of this month, and at the end of this year, 2023, you will look at your life, and you will say, there is nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking in my life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Whatever it is that the enemy has stolen, you will recover all. Neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them, David recovered all. If David recovered all, you also will recover all. In the mighty name of Jesus. So I began to share with us and I said, if you want to recover all, there are certain things you need to be armed with. And I hope you are not just coming to church and listening to the nice sermons. I hope you are doing what you have been told. I hope you are working uh, the word of God. Because it is not just listening to the word and writing notes that gets the job done. It is the doer of the work that shall be blessed in all his deed. In James 1.22, the Bible says to not be hearers only. You can put that on the screen. He said, not, let's not be hearers only. Why? He said, now, be you not, be ye doers, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If you are just hearing, you are deceiving yourself. Verse 23, quickly. He said, for if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. He said, but straight away, he forgetteth what manner of man he was. When you walk away from the mirror, you see, for he beholdeth himself, and then goeth his way, and straight away forgetteth what manner of man he was. Next verse. Next verse, very quickly. He said, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein. You don't just hear the word, you continue to hear it, and then you continue to do what it says. He said, continue therein. He be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in all his deeds. Can I have an amen to that? So when you do the word, you are going to be blessed. Not just a hearer, not just a listener. So I like the message, I like Pastor Fred, the way he preaches. Thank God for that. But beyond that, you must continue to hear it and then start doing what you have been told. That is when you begin to see results in your life. That's when your testimonies will begin to mature. Are you with me, church? It is not enough to hear. Begin to do. Let me tell your neighbor, say, be a doer, not just a hearer. Uh, because you see, what makes the difference between two Christians is action. Are you acting on what you have been told? Even among those who act, people produce results at different levels. Among those who walk, on, who walk the word, some will bring forth 30-fold, some will bring forth 60-fold, but some of us have chosen to bring forth a hundredfold return. We want the word of God to profit us maximally. And the word of God is able to profit you. He's able to turn around, turn around your life 
but the choice is yours, what you do with what you hear. It's not just what you hear, but what you do with it. So I told us, there are a few things that we need to do if we want to recover all that the enemy has stolen from us. Number one, I told you two weeks ago that you must have the attitude of someone that wants to recover all. You must have the right attitude. The attitude of someone that wants to recover. Don't have the attitude of someone that has lost everything. You might have lost a whole lot, yeah? You have mourned over it. You have cried over it. You have complained over it. But all of that will not make a difference. You must now change your attitude. David had to change his attitude. The first thing he did among, along with his men was to cry. Which is normal. It's natural. Their wives had gone. Their, their sons had been taken. Their daughters had been taken. The city had been burnt to ashes. They came back home. There was no TV set. No car in the garage. Everything had turned to, to, to ashes. They cried. That was the natural response. But hey, listen. Clean up your face, baby, and get up. Having cried enough, crying will not change your situation. You need to begin to step up and put on a new attitude. Put on a new attitude. The attitude of someone that wants to recover all. When I look at some people's attitude, I say, come on, come on, come on. This attitude is not good enough. It's not an attitude of faith. It's an attitude of defeat. And the Lord said to me a few, a few weeks ago, he said, never rehearse failure. Don't rehearse it. Because what you rehearse, you will eventually perform. It will eventually become your reality. Before the choir came up this morning to sing praise worship, they rehearsed yesterday. And what they rehearsed yesterday, they presented today. So whatever you are rehearsing tomorrow, today, you will present tomorrow. Rehearse success. Rehearse recovery. Rehearse restoration. Don't rehearse failure. Yeah, it looks black right now. It looks dark. It looks like there is no hope in the horizon. But hey, there is a God in heaven who answers prayers. Can I have an amen? There's a God that changes times and seasons. Can I have an amen? It turns things around. In fact, it turns the heart of the king. I believe it's Proverbs 16 or 18 verse 1 that tells us the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Like the course of a river, he turneth it with us over a wheel. 21, maybe 21, 1 or 18, 1. Proverbs, Proverbs, okay, is put, it, put 21, 1 now. I think it's 21 and verse 1. Said the heart of the king is, yeah, that's it. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. As the course of a river, he turneth it with us over a wheel. So God can turn the heart of a king in your favor. The same God turns times and seasons. The same God turns situations. The same God turns captivity. In Psalm 126 from verse 1, it said, when the Lord turned again, the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. If you want a full, the, the full package of that message, go and listen to my message titled, God the Turner. It can turn anything. Turn situation, turn people, turn whatever needs to turn. But you must turn your own attitude. You won't do that for you. You need to do it for yourself. You need to tell yourself, baby, you have cried enough. Your eyes are red. Wipe your face. Now, clean up yourself. Get back into the word of God and get the right attitude. Because attitude is everything. A bad attitude is like a flat tire. Until you change it, you're not going anywhere. And what kind of attitude must we have? I told you two weeks ago, you must have the attitude of faith. I call it faithitude. Someone say faithitude. Now, oh, come on. Two people in charge. Yeah, faith with you. You won't find that in the dictionary. Number two, last week I shared with us, what again must I do? 
to recover all. I believe everybody is listening to me this morning and not just in a way and not being carried away. What's the other thing that we need to do? What must I do? What must I uh, acquire? Number two, I said to us that you must take action. Somebody say take action. Attitude alone is not enough. You must come to the point where you take action. Where you act on God's word. Don't just hear the word act on it. Because faith without corresponding action is dead on arrival. James 2.17 says that to us very clearly. Faith without works is dead. Some people think that what that scripture means is that when you go to church, go to church and then you don't have a job. <laughs> that, that, you know, that's what that scripture is talking about. No. That's only an aspect of it. In the entirety of it, no. What it's saying is you can't claim that you have faith and there is no corresponding action to your faith. There is nothing to show, to prove that you have that faith. I mean, you are just wasting your time. It's like somebody trying to get pregnant, a, woman, a married woman. You are trying to get pregnant. You live in America. Your husband lives in Nigeria. The last time I checked, they don't post babies over the internet. You and your husband need to live together under the same roof, agree together, pray together, and do what people that are believing God for the fruit of the womb do. There is something they do. You guys don't know you are too small for that now. There is something they do, people that want to have children. So you need to do it with your husband and do it well and enjoy it and stay there until the, the fruit of the womb. Ole, ole ayo, tubaso, ninue. When the fruit of the womb. Uh -huh. Then, glory be to God. Hallelujah. But you can't be several miles away. He's several miles away and you're praying. Oh God, I need to have a baby. What will God do in that situation? God has had your prayer. Buy your ticket, go back home and stay with your husband. Or get him a visa and let him come and join you. I need a job. Where is your CV? I don't, I don't, what's the CV? You don't even know what it is? Did you go to school at all? Eh, at least I have one level. Even one level, package it. What experiences have you got? Package it together. Make your CV attractive. I was assisting my mom in a shop. That's work experience. Put it together. There was a time, uh, after finishing my work, I went to my grandma's house and I helped her and I helped her in her shop. Put it together. It's part of work experience. White people don't joke with experience. Experience is experience. Whether it was in your grandma's shop or in your mother's shop is an experience. Hey, no, I've not worked in MTN before and I'm applying to MTN. My friend, wherever you have worked, put it together. That's action. People that don't act on God's word, they will just be wishers. They just wish. And they wish their lives away. 10 years, or st still on the same spot. 15 years, still on the same spot. What are you doing? I I I'm processing traveling. I'm processing. How long does it take to process a visa? Let me tell you, say take action. Number three, which is today. What else do I do? What must I do? What must I have? So I can recover all. Let me see how many of you are serious about recovery. How many of you really want to recover all? Okay, quite a number. So, listen. After this service, go back home and reflect on these messages, this series, and begin to do something. There's something called actionable plan. Draw your actionable plan. I must do this. I have, maybe you don't even have an email address. I need to learn how to create one. Then I must put my CV together. I heard pastor say CV. I don't know what it looks like. Go to someone that you think can help you. Sir, please, or ma, how can I put together a CV? Let them help you put it together. You never know. You might even start from a security job. Maybe that's where you start from. And you, you, you are diligent at it. You are always there. You are neat. You are clean. You are not begging around. A customer will come someday and look at you and say, ah, 
you, this young man. I like you. You're always polite. You're always clean and neat. You don't beg for money. Why are you doing security job? You should be in school. Sir, I have no man, no. Like the man in John chapter 5. Jesus said, why have you been at this spot for, the same, for many, many years? He said, I have no man. That might be your story. I don't have anybody to send me to school, but I want to go to school. Do you want to go to school? Yes, I want to. Okay. Can I? Do you have your O-level result? Yes, sir. Five credits. Okay. Can you send it to me now? Or can you send it to me tomorrow? Sir, I have the soft copy of my phone. I can give it to you now. Wow! This boy is ready. They bring out their phone, call somebody in UI. Hello, do you still have the DLC form? Is it still on sale? How much is it? And you go to school from 100 level to final year. I know a family that sponsored a guy like that that was working for them as a domestic staff. The young man has finished his master's in the UK now. They sponsored him through university, first degree in Nigeria. When he did well, they were so encouraged that a domestic servant made 2-1, almost a first class. They said, this boy, we need to help you further. They sent him to the UK. A houseboy. And here you are. Hey, anybody is helping me. I don't have anybody. That's why I'm like this. My friend, you'll be like that for a long time. Nobody wants to help anybody that doesn't want to help himself or herself. In Acts chapter 27, Paul suffered a shipwreck. 27 to 28. And then they came to an island called Melita. It was during winter. So the people on that island said, look, these people will die of cold though. Act 28. And they began to make, give them wood. You know, they began to make fire for them so that they would not die of that cold, of that winter. You know what Paul said? Paul said, look, you are helping me to kindle fire. I will get sticks. I will go and fetch some sticks to supply. So, in other words, you have started the fire, but let me go and hustle some wood. I will help you to help me. You want to help me, but I won't put all my burden on you. You know why some people don't help some people? Because the moment you help them like this, you become their ATM. They turn you to ATM machine. Hello, pastor. I've not eaten since yesterday. Hello, pastor. At the big initial stage, you can get some help here and there. But when you're now becoming a burden, you say, ah, okay, I am the idiot. There was a young man in this church. He has left. Um, he had some problems at home. His grandmother was sick. And as a church, we thought, okay, we could help him. We began to help financially. We began to help financially. He will come from school. He'll say, ah, pastor, I don't have food in school. I said, okay, let's arrange money. Give him some money. Go and buy food. One day, he was in Oketunu at a viewing center where they were watching football. And he was drunk. You know, when a man is drunk, he will vomit every secret in his heart. <laughs> and he began to talk. He said, ah, me, like this. Ah. When Shakpa comes like this, ah, I have my ATM. Ah, Fred, Fred. He's in Stone Church, Mokola. He didn't even put pastor. He said, Fred, oh, that guy's my guy. <laughs> and he didn't know that one of my guys was in the viewing center watching football. He didn't know him. You don't know who is sitting next to you. He says, my guy, when I need money like this, I know how to format him. Look, I'm a Mokola boy myself. I grew up on the streets. Nobody can format me. You cannot format me. You see, one of two things that may happen is when I, I, I trust people a lot. And I think I've, I've burnt my fingers enough. So now, it's almost zero trust. I'm looking at everybody like, you are a suspect. <laughs> That, that's the bad thing that life has done to me. I mean, that one, now I hardly, I hardly trust. I'm trying to do a transaction with somebody in the UK now, and it's been, I've dragged that transaction for about three weeks. So much so that she reached out to my brother and I said, what's wrong with Pastor Fred now? We concluded this thing. I said, hey, my sister, we concluded, but I have unconcluded it. 
Because I don't know who to trust again. So the boy was talking and talking and talking. I said, don't worry, don't fight him. Leave him alone. Another time he just came and looking very sober. Pastor, you know I don't have anybody. It's you I have. I said, even me, it's only God I have. So I just want you to, to, to help me. I said, okay. So that you go and buy Shayo again and be watching football in Oketunu. And be saying, Fred is your maga. He said, sir, no. Who, who told you? Who, ah, I said, yeah, yeah. You know, when you talk, you don't know the beds of the air will carry your word. That's what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs. My friend, will you get out of here? I help because I, I just want to. That's what the Bible says to do. But I have learned. So when you see now that Shinkman, you don't get from me. <laughs> it's not uh, because I want to be mean. It's because I've been properly schooled. I've been schooled. Mm. Are you with me this morning? Number three, you must be resilient in your fight. You must be resilient in your fight. Resilient. R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T. You must be resilient in your fight of faith. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. Paul said to his son in the faith, Timothy, he said, fight the good fight of faith. He didn't stop there. He said, lay hold on eternal life. Zoe, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed the good profession before many witnesses. Fight. Life is a fight. And you've got to be ready to fight. If you want to recover, you have to fight. If you're not ready to recover, then walk away from the fight. Satan is the goat of the beans market. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. John 10, 10. But Jesus has come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. So when Satan steals from you, fight him and be resilient in your fight. I've discovered one thing about life. Sometimes it's really not the stronger person that wins the fight. It's the resilient person. I grew up in the streets, right? So when you're fighting, there might be a big guy and a small guy. And the big guy is beating you. I'm beating your head and you're crying and you're, but you're not letting go. And you hold on to him. He, he carries you like this, puts you on the floor. You hold on to his neck. As you're getting up, you're getting up with his neck. He says, ah, why is this guy so stubborn? Look, he might not have the same power. After three minutes of the fight, the big guy is panting. <sighs> but the small guy said, no. Today, it is a, it's fight to finish. He's very resilient. Is refusing to be tired. At the end of the day, it will bring down the big guy. You will find the one who was supposed to win begging because he has lost his ability to continue to fight. This is what the enemy does. In the fight of life, in the fight of faith, the enemy will drag it so long to get you to the point where you are weary and tired so that you can give up. But if you stay the course, if you are resilient, resilient in the fight, the enemy will get tired. You must come to a point where you say, oh, look, Satan, in this fight, oh, somebody will get tired, but it will not be me. Amen? But many, many of us quit so easily, and I've never seen quitters win. Quitters don't win, and winners don't quit. Are you with me? If you are going to recover all, you must be ready to fight. And in your fight of faith, you must be resilient. 
You can't afford to be a quitter. Quitters never win, and winners never quit. When the battle rages long, the tendency is for you to become weary and weak and just want to give up and throw in the towel. But remember, we are not of those who drop back onto perdition. Hebrews 10, 39. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 39. Look at that very quickly. Hebrews 10, 39. But we are not of them. Read it together. Everybody, let's go. One, two, go. But we are not of them. Who draw back unto what? Perdition, destruction. But of them uh -huh, that believe to the saving of the soul. We are not of them that draw back unto perdition. Because when you draw back, you get destroyed. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm, I'm giving up. I'm tired. Don't be tired though. Even if you're tired, keep fighting. Fight tired. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? You're tired, but keep fighting. I want to quit. No, don't quit. One thing you must never do is quit. Quitting should never be an option in your life. You've started your diploma program. You've done one or two semesters, and now it's becoming so tough. You want to quit. Don't quit. If you quit, nobody will celebrate you. This past week now, we celebrated some of our members who graduated from the University of Ibadan because they didn't quit. If they had quit at 300 level or 400 level, Nobody celebrates, uh, what do they give you at 300 level or 400 level? The best they can give you is a transcript. Academic transcript. That's the best they can give you. Nobody celebrates transcript. We celebrate your certificate. We celebrate at your convocation because you finished. Because you reached the finish line. I pray for everyone. You reached the finish line successfully in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you with me, church? Are you getting something from this message today? Tell your neighbor, say, quitting is not an option. I have a singing that I've always run my life with, even as a teenager. I've always told myself, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. You got to be tough. Life is not for the lily-livered. Life is not for the lily-livered. Life is not for those who quit very easily. No. Life is for people that are resilient. People that won't give up. People that won't quit. David's men came back and found their families had been kidnapped. Ziklag had been burnt down to ashes. And then they started thinking of stoning David, their captain. David was their captain. Why did they think of stoning him? Like Jesus, our captain. Why are you thinking of stoning Jesus? Many are stoning Jesus today. They are all there on the social media. Church is a scam. That faith thing is fake. It doesn't work. We got to go get results somewhere else. God is too slow. Now, you are stoning Jesus when you, say, when you make those kind of statements. Give it up. Let me go try something else. I got to go hustle for myself. You are stoning Jesus when you do that. They thought of stoning David. Why did they think of that? Because they thought, look, all hope was lost. All hope was gone. Their wives were gone. Their kids were gone. Their houses were burnt. Their farms were burnt. No possession, nothing anymore. So let's kill our captain. If you kill David, your captain, does that bring the solution to the table? These guys had given up, but not David. Hallelujah. And if you look at these men, if you look at their story, David actually brought them up. First Samuel 22, quickly, can I have that on the screen? First Samuel 22, verses 1 and 2. Let's see where they were coming from. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adulam. Somebody say cave Adulam. 
And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. They went to David. He didn't invite them. They went to him of their own volition. Verse 2. And everyone that was in distress, look at the category of people that came to David. Look at his army. Everyone that was in distress. <laughs> Can you imagine people in distress? People, people that were going through depression. They said, you know, we are coming to you for help. We are the ones making up your army. And everyone that was in debt, they were owing. They were owing all the, whatever money they owe, online. And they send their pictures all over the place to all their contacts. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And I've warned members of this church, don't borrow money. Usually people borrow money online. As much as possible, don't borrow money. Run away from debt. Romans 13 verse 8 says, to owe no man nothing but love. If it's for what you will eat, you can trust God. And if you think you, you need to talk to your uh, uh, church member or something, yeah, but don't go online and be borrowing 5,000, 10,000, 25,000, and they put your pictures all over the world. And if you're already a victim of that, I pray for you that God will turn around your situation so you will never have to borrow anymore. Our covenant with God is for us to be lenders and not borrowers. Go back to my scripture. Verse 2. People in debt... Everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented, I don't know, what, for whatever reason, they were discontented, they were dissatisfied with their situation, gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Can you imagine that kind of church? You have a church of 400 members full of people in distress, people that were owing. People. What kind of church do you have? David, you don't even have a professor in your church. You don't have any financier. These were the financiers. They themselves needed finances. But the beauty of the gospel is that you might come that way, but when you receive Christ, you will never remain that way. Are you with me? Are you with me? You can come distressed. Yeah, come the way you are. That's what Christ wants. Come the way you are. Come to the Kevajula. But over time, you'll be processed. Maybe you were a call girl. Come, don't worry. People are criticizing you. Yeah, someone like you going to church, go all the same. You will find Christ someday. Maybe I caught boy. You've brought people down. Don't worry. Come to Christ the way you are. He will clean you up. They called you a failure. Come to Christ. He will turn your failure to success. You're depressed and you're already suicidal. You're thinking of killing yourself. Come. He will turn your situation around. That's the beauty of knowing Christ. Over time, people will just begin to notice that there's a change in your life. Maybe first of all, change in your appearance. Or maybe a change in the way you even talk, the way you think, and the way you talk. Your friends will notice and say, ah, whenever we started this conversation, we knew your contributions. But now, from, for the last one month, your, your, the way you contribute, things have changed. The way you even reason. You know what is happening? Christ is renewing you. And you are renewing your mind. And it will show in your words, and it will show in your actions. Are you with me, church? Are you with me, church? So, these were the kind of people that came to David. And David trained them. They became mighty men of war. Now, because they had lost everything, in quote, they decided they were going to stone their captain. However, the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself in yad Hey vav Hey. his own God. Do you know your God? Daniel 11.32 tells us, it is the people that do know their God that shall be strong and do exploits. 
do you know your God? It is in the time of adversity you will know whether you know God or not. Whether your knowledge of God is very small and you need to increase. Whether your intimacy with God is suffering and you need to get really into God. Get into him. Big time. Intimacy means into me. See. I want you to see into me. Into me. See. Intimacy. You might need to deepen your intimacy with God. It will help you in the day of battle. It will help you when all hell is let loose against you. And you can boldly say like Paul, if God be for us, who can be against us? Can I have an amen to that? The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord is God. First Samuel 30 and verse 6. Why did he do that? Because David had trained himself never to be a quitter. He had trained himself. I will never be a quitter in life. Let me show you an example. When he faced Goliath, he had at least two wonderful opportunities to quit. First Samuel 17. Please go there quickly. He had met Goliath before, before this, this time, before this battle. First Samuel 17. Um, I, want, I want some verses there. Verses 26 to 32. Verses 26 to 32. I'd like to read that from my Bible. Read along with me, everybody. First Samuel 17. From verse 26 to 32. Hallelujah. And David spoke to the men. Now, his father sent him to go and give food to his brothers who were in the war front. David was 17. He was too young to join the army. To join the army needed to be 18, I think, at the time in Israel. He was too young. So he wasn't enlisted in the army. So he had gone there to see to the welfare of his brothers and to give them food. So, he got into the mess that they were in. They were, you know, kind of situation they, they were faced with. So, David talked to the men that stood by him, saying, what shall be done to the man that killed this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David was a covenant conscious guy. The Jewish people, you remember in Genesis 18 when God told Abraham, a token of the covenant is that every male child born in your house, whether your own child or the child of a servant born under your roof, by the eighth day they must be circumcised in the foreskin of their flesh. They will take them, every guy with an equipment they will remove the foreskin of the equipment. That's circumcision. I mean, you all know circumcision. Can I have an amen? Can I have an amen? Is that rated 18? Circumcision? Right. David recalls that as a covenant person, you are circumcised. But these Philistines are not circumcised. He used the covenant term there. He said, look, guys, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God, the covenant-keeping God? This guy has no covenant with God. Wake up, guys. We can afford to allow this guy defeat us. He has no covenant with the living God. He might have a covenant with another God, but it's a dead God. Because all other gods are the works of men. 
Nobody is like Yad Hey Vav Hey, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was invoking the covenant. Every other person didn't know they were running from Goliath. They have forgotten their covenant with God. And we are like that many times in life. Something small happens, you start shaking. We run around from pillar to post, forgetting that we even have God. We forget. May we never lose our wonder. May we never forget the covenant we have with the living God. No matter the threat on your life, remember the covenant we have with the living God. Remember. Remember. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Elijah, this was the first fire extinguisher. I preached a message some years ago titled, Beware of Fire Extinguishers. Go to the media and ask them if they can help you get that message. It will bless your life. There are fire extinguishers in life. When you carry fire, you are about to go and explode somewhere. You will meet fire extinguishers on the way. People that will discourage you. In English language, they call them wet blankets. When you put wet blanket over fire, what will happen to that fire? It will quench. Some of you carry the fire of the Holy Ghost. You carry a vision. You carry an anointing. You are a man on assignment. One of the fire extinguishers you will meet on the way will be a woman that is seducing you so you can have sex with her and that's it. Your fire is gone. And it can be the other way around. You're a woman on mission, a woman of purpose. You are pursuing your future. You are pursuing something to achieve for God. And then one man just shows up somewhere, offers you money, and that's it. And in some cases, it's not always sexual sin. It could even just be a discouragement. Hey, are you sure this kind of course sells in Nigeria? Why are you studying zoology now? Who will give you a job in Nigeria? But that's what you are found to do. And the Bible says, whatever your hand finds it to do, do it with all your might. Even if it's zoology, try and make it first class. Can I have an amen? You don't know the benefit that that will open up to you. You don't have to work in that field. God can open up another, another, another opportunity somewhere. So, his brother Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why camest thou down hither? His anger was not kindled against Goliath. His anger was kindled against David. Misdirected anger. Why did you come down? And with whom? This man must be an able man. This man was in the battlefront. His mind was on the business, the family business. Look at the question he asked David. And with whom? Nah. And with whom has thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Those few sheep in the wilderness, nah. 5,000 plus 20,000 is 25,000. There's one small sheep, that one, now 3,000. Another sheep there, 16,000. His mind was back home in the business, even though he was in the battlefront. Should a man in the battlefront be thinking about sheep in the wilderness? Are you with me, church? Apologies to all the Igbo people. They are angry. Eliab was an Igbo man. Do you want to believe that? <laughs> with whom did you leave the few sheep in the wilderness? I mean, what, what's wrong with this guy? Then he didn't stop there. He went on scolding David. I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thy heart. <laughs> See, this brother had been beefing his younger brother for a long time. Oh. Well, where's the pride? Where's the naughtiness of his heart? 
For thou art come down, that thou mightest see the battle. Is the battle something you really want to go and see? Where there can be a stray arrow, stray bullet? Is it a cinema? Now, this was enough to discourage David. If David were like some of us, we just say, Ross, I'm very sorry. Daddy said I should bring you food. Here's the food, and he will go back home. And Israel would have lost that victory. Are you with me? Come on, church. Are you with me? But look at David's response. David was a guy taught by God. He wouldn't give up. And David said, what have I now done? What have I, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason? Am I not here for a purpose? And he turned from him toward another. I love David. There are certain people that are distractors in your life. When they come to distract you, turn from them. Face another person. Uh, my brother, what, what, what shall be done, Jerry? You have ignored that one. That was, what they, that was how David treated him. That's how to treat a distraction or a distractor in your life. If you ever write TOEFL, or if you have written TOEFL, TOEFL exam, test of English as a foreign language, you have four options usually. One of them, one of the options is wrong. I mean, only one is right, actually. I mean, when you have four options, one is the answer. One is completely, obviously wrong. Then you have another one that is close to that. Then there is one that is the answer. Then there is one that is a distractor. It looks like the answer. That's why in life you must have a clear vision where you are going. A man that doesn't know where he's going, everywhere looks like the place where you're going. Pastor, I need a job. What kind of job do you need? Any job. No. You should have a clear-cut idea. The kind of job you want to do. Where do you want to find yourself in the next 10 years? Ah, I want to be rich. How? I just want to be rich. The typical Nigerian. How? What do you want to do? Ah, anything I find doing, honey. Any which way. Anyhow, anyhow. You know that's our language. Anything, any which way, anyhow, anyhow. You will live an anyhow, anyhow life if, that, if that's the kind of person you are. But that is not for us here. Can I have an amen? amen. We're not living an anyhow life. Our lives are targeted, targeted towards something, towards achieving the purpose of God for our lives, and we'll get there. Two people came to church. <laughs> oh, I thought maybe my microphone went off. I said you will get there. David turned from him. Beg, leave me alone. Leave me alone. And he went to speak to another and spoke after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard, which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul. And he sent for him. The king will send for you, amen. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. He's bred for us. Let no man's heart fail. David had trained himself from the days of his youth not to faint in his heart. Because if you faint in the day of adversity, then your strength is small. And if your strength is too small, you need to increase your strength. A wise man is strong. Yay! A man of understanding increases strength. 
And according to Colossians 1.10, you can increase in the knowledge of God. And when you increase the knowledge of God, you increase your strength. David encouraged himself in the Lord. This same David that said to everybody, don't let your heart faint because of this Philistine. The same David now, his wives had been taken, kids had been taken, everything taken, city bonds now, encouraged himself in the Lord. Why? Because he had trained himself never to be a quitter. Why do people quit? I have a very simple answer for that. Because they keep their eyes on the enormity of their problems and set their hearts on defeat. So they become faint-hearted and quit. Let me say that again. Why do people quit? Because they keep their eyes on the enormity of their problems. They are looking at the size of the problem. Omo, this one big o. Omo, this one pass me o. Have you had that phrase before? Church, are you awake? Have you had people say that before? Ah, Omo, this one pass me o. Eh. Whereas the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that there had no temptation taking you, which is not such as is common to man. And God will not, is faithful. I will not allow you, he will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able but will with the temptation make a way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. There is nothing that happens in your life that you cannot handle. God knows you can handle it. Can I have an amen? But when you say, this one, pass me, oh, you have already judged yourself too small. It's one of the reasons people faint. They look at the enormity of their challenges. They look at the enormity of their problems. And then they set their heart on defeat. When they sleep, they are defeated. When they wake up, they are defeated. When they talk, they are defeated. Listen to them. The only thing that comes out of, of them is defeat. They don't ever speak victory. Are you like that? Look at your life. In the last one week, what words have you been speaking? We know Nigeria is tough. Many people are not able to come to church because they don't have money to transport themselves to church. And some of them will bear me witness. They are online now listening via MixLR. Some don't even have money for data. Should be someone that has data that will join MixLR or YouTube or Facebook. But listen to me. Does God know that we're in Nigeria right now? Is he aware? Or do we need to inform him? Oh God, we're in Nigeria, oh please. He knows we're here. And he knows that even in the midst of this adversity, we will flourish. He said it already in his words. Psalm 37 and verse 19. Put that on the screen for me. Psalm 37, verse 19. Let's read this together, everybody, in the KJV. One, two, go. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. And in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. If these are not days of famine, then what days are we in? I don't know how much they sell a congo of rice now. Or a congo of beans. But I know those things are expensive now. These are the days of famine. But the Bible says in the days of famine, what will happen to his own children, to God's children? Let me hear you. Let me hear you. He said, we shall be satisfied. So if you are not satisfied now, know that that is not the will of God. Therefore, you stand on this scripture and say, God, I have to be satisfied. We will eat in plenty. Can I have an amen? Give that to me. Same scripture. Give it to me in New Living Translation. Psalm 37 verse 19. Maybe that's what some of you came to hear in church this morning. NLT. Let's, let's go. One, two, go. They will be disgraced in hard times. Landlord will throw away their stuff in hard times. 
they will not be able to pay school fees in hard times. Because the times are hard, they will not be able to transport themselves to church. What did he say? I want you to shout that not. Americans say not. One, two, go. They will. Thank you. I love this church. One, two, go. They will not be disgraced in hard times. That's how to say it over your life. Say, I will not be disgraced in hard times. Glory be to God. Let's finish it up. Even in famine, they will have just enough, less than enough. What are they going to have? God has promised he will take you from not enough past the realm of just enough to the realm of more than enough. More than enough. If that is your portion, can you shout amen? amen? Why does God want you to have more than enough in this kind of economy? So that you can preach the gospel. When you buy free lunch for your classmates, it's enough to preach the gospel. Everybody likes free lunch, even when they have the money. Imagine those who don't have at all. So why are you looking like this? I'm fine. No, you're not fine. You're not normally like this. Is everything okay? Have you eaten? Don't be asking people, have you eaten when you don't have the solution? I don't like that question. You know those boys that chat girls in the midnight or chat them during the day? Hello, babe, what's up? How you doing? Have you eaten? You want to buy food for me? Ladies, am I speaking your mind? Yeah. Well, you're not ready to buy. Why are you asking, have you eaten? You were going to show to But it's a good question when you actually intend to buy. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? And this, this doesn't have to be male to female. It can be female to female. You want to preach the gospel. And it can be male to male. You want to preach the gospel. Are you with me? So why are you looking down? Um, I'm fine. No, you're not. You're not. You're not. Then have you eaten? They will open up. Someone that's not eating, I have, even if he wants to lie, that lie will have a way of, uh, I don't know how to say it in English, it will have an accident in his mouth. I, 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 so boy, come, let's go to the cafeteria. And then you take the guy to SUB. And then you say, what do you like? You want swallow or you want uh, rice and anything. Now, listen to me. When somebody is really hungry, anything goes. But you say, mm, mm, make your choice. Oh, anything. Ah. When people get to that point of anything, the guy is hungry. Oh. They say a man that, that wants to cook indomie and then he's still looking for scissors to cut the sashi. He's not yet hungry. <laughs> is that not true? I mean, when you're hungry and you want to cook indomie, do you, are you, will you be looking for scissors? See what? My finger. <laughs> These boys, eh? They've been doing it for long. And they'll pop up on. You pour the something. Are, are you with me? That's a hungry guy. <laughs> and then you take them out and then you buy something for them. Buy food for them. Buy them a bottle of soda. Maybe Coke or Fanta. And the guy is refreshed. And then you now buy a bottle of water. Say, this one is for the road. Then you say, oh boy, have you really considered giving your life to Christ? You say, man. Man. I've been... I don't hear that thing, but I don't really get. Okay, maybe you can tell me. The guy will listen to you now. But if you met him in the previous state and said, Brother, have you given your life to Christ? Eh? You did you why me? Are you with me? It's one, now, it might sound like a joke. It might sound like it's funny. But I tell you, it's one of the reasons God will give us more than enough in this economy. 
We will go beyond just buying food. Some of you will begin to pay house rent for other people. When you do that for a family, do you think they won't want to follow you to your church? And that's why you see the scammers. That's why they're able to scam people. They do a lot of charity. When you see scammer pastors, they gather hungry people in their neighborhood and feed them. So the hungry people will go to their church. So the day the man is caught now, the hungry people will fight you and say, No, he's our pastor. He's not a scammer, he's a scammer. In Jesus' name. Yeah. See those drug lords in, in, in Mexico, in Argentina, and those places, they have charity organizations. So you would never suspect them. We are the ones who should have the charity. We're the children of God. But when we don't do it, scammers do it. You see, that's why when there is an original, there's always a counterfeit. Have you ever seen a fake 2,000 era note, you will never see it because it is not yet in existence. The moment the original is printed by the CBN, boom, they will do their own fake as well. Everything God does, Satan tries to create. He's not a creator. He mimics and concocts what God has done to bring a counterfeit. And he creates sand. Have you seen fake sand before? Satan doesn't have that much power. The power we arrogate to him, he doesn't have it. Jesus got from the dead and said, listen, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. All power belongs to Jesus. Can I have an amen to that? Amen. David overcame that first discouragement from his brother. Then he went on to Saul. Saul also tried to discourage him. He overcame the first discouragement. Then they got to Saul. Saul told him, look, you are a young man. And this man has been fighting from his youth. He's going to finish you. He said, Oga, when I was keeping my father's sheep, a lion came and a bear came. And I, I killed them. I, I finished them. Saul said, okay. He said, the same God that delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine because it's like one of those animals. Saul had no more argument. He said, go, the Lord be with you. A man with an experience is not at the mercy of a man with an argument. Have you experienced God? If you have, then nobody can talk you out of God. Because I know my journey with God. I know what God has taken me through. If you don't have any encounter, seek one. Say, God, encounter me. Ask Jacob. The moment he encountered God, he became Israel. He removed the hollow of his thigh. Nobody encounters God and remains the same. Are you with me? David had encountered God. So when they were thinking of stoning him, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And he said, this fight, I'm not going to give up. We're going to fight. We're going to fight. But before he fought, he asked God. And I told you about that last week. Always ask God for direction. Should I pursue them? Will I overtake? Two questions. God answered with three. Pursue, one. Two, you will surely overtake. Three, without fail, recover all. God always has an extra for us. In the remaining weeks of this year, may you enjoy the extras of God. Yeah. If you understand that, your amen will be better. Yeah. I've told you why people quit. Stop focusing on the bigness of your problems. Focus on the bigness of your God. 
Stop telling God how big your problem is. God, you know they are coming against me. You know there are many. Shut up. Tell them how big your God is. When I won't come, they come. Whether you find my God or not. Now your papa born, you come. Come after me. That's how to dare your enemies. Turn them, pitch them against God. God, you know, they are coming. No, let them come. If they will, I see, I promise you, they will not meet with God. One of our sisters shared with us how somebody came to our room and robbed her and wanted to rape her. After robbing, you still want to rape? And at the point, she had to shout, in the name of Jesus. And she had to quote scripture. The guy ran away. He took off. We got to be bold. Can I have an amen? amen? Let me finish this up. This is why the Bible wants us to not keep our eyes on the temporal because it will pass. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. He said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but we look at the things which are not seen. For the things which are not seen are eternal. Don't look at the problem too much. It is temporal, it will pass. It looks as though it will never pass. What you are going through now looks as if, ah, this is the end of the world. It will not go. It will go. It will pass. You will live to share your testimony. <laughs> what are we supposed to be looking at? Look at the things which are eternal. The word of God is eternal. This Bible is full of the promises of God for your life. If you like, open it, read it, study it, meditate on it, confess it, and do what it says. It will bless you. If you like, close it, leave it there, let it gather dust, and you'll be hustling. That's Aluta Continua. I have signed out of the life of Aluta Continua. I have pitched my tent with Victoria Asata. Why are some are still in Aluta Continua? Aluta Continua. Oh. Some of us are saying Victoria Asata. Victory is certain. Amen? What language is that, Seth? What language is that? It's Latin. I thought as much. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David told his men in the fight against Goliath, he told Saul, he told all the men of Israel, let no man's heart fail them. I say to you, expression house, let no man's heart fail them. Let not your heart fail. Your God will come and save you. Your God will come for you. This week, you will see the hand of God. In the battles of your life, you will see the hand of God. Even your enemies will see his hand on the other side. While you experience the goodness of God, they will see the wrath of God. Three things. Three areas to be resilient. And I close. One, be resilient in prayer. Mentioned this before, I'll say it again. Prayer is the walking stick of the Christian that wants to walk with God. Adurani, Okpa Christian, Lati Boloruni. When I was in primary school, I used to sing it. Those who don't speak Yoruba, apologies. It says, come to the early morning prayer. Go on your knees and let us pray. Prayer is the walking stick or the walking rod of a Christian that wants to walk with God. Prayer. That is the breath that we breathe. No wonder the psalmist said in Psalm 116 and verse 2. It says in the NIV. 
because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. Do you still have breath? Why are you not praying? Prayer should be your breath. John Fletcher, one of the fathers of the faith, lived in Switzerland. When he died, they said the breath of his prayer stained the wall of his room. He had the place where he would kneel down and pray. His breath, you know, most houses overseas, the houses are painted white, especially interior, white. The breath of his prayer stained the wall of his room. We have another one, John praying Hyde. The middle name is Nelson, but they changed the middle name to praying because he was always praying. They said if he was not sleeping and he was not eating and he was not talking, he would be praying. This man prayed so much on the floor. By the time he died, they did an autopsy on him and found out that his heart has shifted to the right side of his ribs. That is on YouTube. You can find out John praying Hyde, H-Y-D-E. There's a documentary on his life. For John Fletcher, that stained the wall of his room with, with the breath of his prayer, his knees broke the tiles in his room because he was always kneeling down to pray. Many, many people have done exploit through prayer. John Knox was another one. John Knox ran Elizabeth, Queen, Queen, no, Queen Mary, very corrupt queen, over Scotland. She ran out of town because of the prayer of John Knox. When she was interviewed later, she said, why did you run away, madam? She said, because I was afraid of the prayer of one man, John Knox. More than the entire armies of Elizabeth of England. Prayer. The force generated in the place of prayer is the most potent in the world. No bazooka, no interballistic squad missile is as powerful as the force generated in the place of prayer. That's why you don't pray. That's why the least attended meeting in the church is the prayer meeting. That's why when we record the least attendance is during prayer time. Because many people see prayer as a mental torture, psychological punishment. For the next 15 minutes, we say, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's too much. I just want to come and worship. I just want to sing. And I don't want to be bothered. Pastor Fresh shouts too much. Let him just take it easy. Are you only now? Wagba. Wagba. Somebody ate in his dream, woke up with toothpick in his mouth. Ask him. Ask him whether Ogunlaye or not. <laughs> Let him tell you. I had the story of a man that went, that traveled abroad and then got deported. His passport was missing. I know of one that I've met. I heard of another one. This one, he traveled abroad. He got abroad with his passport. But when he needed to do some registration overseas, he couldn't find his passport anymore. Somehow he got deported. When he came back home, opened his room like this, he found his passport on his wardrobe. Passport. Who took it? Oh, huh? <laughs> you know, some of this is, you don't believe. Say, ah, pastor, now. How can that happen now? You know, uh, those things only have in African magic. Don't worry. If you live long enough, and you will live long. <laughs> Not every pastor is a pastor. There are pastor lawos. The person that told me, first of all, for the first time in my life, that there's something called pastor lawo. I never knew himself was a pastor lawo. You think everyone that says, in the name, when they lift their hand like this, everybody in that area falls down. I had a story from our lead pastor. He said, this man went to minister as a guest minister in the church. So after the morning session, he went to the office of the host pastor. You know, like, you are my guest, and I come to my office. Then he now went to use the toilet of the host pastor. 
After using the toilet, he, washed, he saw a soap there. He washed his hand with the soap. Normal, isn't that? Then in the evening session, when he was preaching, if he mistakenly did his hand like this, everybody in that section, on the floor. Ah. He thought it was the Holy Spirit. It's not every falling down, falling down. That is the Holy Spirit. So it was time to pray. In the name of everybody there. Holy Ghost will not make people break their head against the pillar of the church. So after the evening session, he knew something was wrong. So he asked the host pastor. As I was lifting my hand, people were just falling. The host pastor said, when you use my toilet, did you use the soap there to wash your hands? He said, yes. Uh, <laughs> Let me show you a scripture. Psalm 74 verse 20. Give it to me quick. So that some of you don't think I'm just coming up with some, some stories. Read it everybody. One, two, go. Have respect unto the covenant. For the dark places of this earth are full of the habitations of cruelty. The dark places of this world are full of the habitations of cruelty. The dark places of this earth are full of the habitations. We don't preach them because we have the victory over them. Amen? But you must pray. Why would David pray? Psalm 55 and I think verse 17. Evening and morning and at, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Why three times? Why? If prayer was not important. Why would Jesus pray every time? A great while before day, Mark 1 5, he departed to the solitary place and there prayed. Luke 18, 1, he told the proverb to this end, saying, men ought always to pray and not faint. Men ought always. Men ought always. Men ought how often? Men ought how many times? David said three times. Jesus said always. So you can be in the class listening to lecture, underneath your breath. You are listening to lecture. You are walking on the road. One night from Stone Campus Fellowship, I was going to drop some sisters in Idia Hall. And as we drove past one dam, one bridge on your way to St. Anne's, to India, you know, when you come from the other side, I had a young man praying out loud in the night, in the dark. I said, that's my guy. Those are my kind of people. At your free time, pray. During your busy schedule, pray. Prayer is the preoccupation of the Christian. The force generated, that's why Satan doesn't want you to pray. That's why you don't pray. A prayerless Christian is a paperless Christian. Isaiah 62, verses 6 to 7. I have set watchmen. Come on, give it to me now. I have set watchmen upon the walls, O Jerusalem, upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace, which shall never, never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. We have been silent for too long. We don't pray, we criticize. Criticism has become the ministry of some people. Pray. Pray. The next verse. What did he say? And give him no rest. Give him no rest. Till he establish and till he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. One more scripture. The resilient in prayer. Ephesians 6.18, Paul the apostle. Some say those are Old Testament. This is New Testament. What did Paul say? Praying sometimes with some prayer. Come on, what do you have in your Bible? Praying how often? 
Always. The same words Jesus used. Always. Always. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Because now we can pray in the Spirit. We can pray in the Holy Ghost. We can pray in the understanding. Say pray always. With all supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Pray every time. Be resilient in prayer. When you are weary, pray. When you are encouraged, pray. When you are down, pray. When you are up, pray. When you succeed, pray. When you fail, pray. When you are encouraged, pray. When you are discouraged, pray. Pray always. Be resilient in prayer. Satan is afraid of such Christians. They are dangerous to him. Because the effectual fervent prayer of one believer makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. James 5.16. Give it to me in the Amplified Classic. AMPC. James 5.16. Very quickly, I want to make the two other points and stop. As a friend, it's not taking too much time anymore. Preaching. It's born again now. Hallelujah. Read it, everybody. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your first steps, your offenses, your sins. I can't hear you. One, let's, let's go, let's go, let's go. And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Uh-huh. The B part of it now. The earnest, heartfelt, continued, not discontinued, continued, yes, prayer of a righteous man. One of a righteous man, yes, makes Tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Prayer can walk in any direction. Especially when you pray in the Holy Ghost. You might think this is your target, but the Holy Ghost knows that's your target. It will route, it will reroute that prayer. Hit the target. Are you with me? You can be praying the Holy Ghost and you're praying for somebody in Ghana, maybe a family member that needs to be saved. Somebody the devil wants to destroy. And it might be your prayer that will rescue them at that point. Especially when we pray in the Holy Ghost. So pray. Pray off. Let your prayer be continued. Don't pray three hours today. Ah, Pastor Fred said we should pray. We should be resilient in prayer. Today I am resilient. I am resilient. I am resilient. Oh! And you pray for three hours. The next three days, no prayer. Should be on Sunday, I pray for three hours. That should carry me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then Thursday. Resilient in prayer. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then Sunday again, we will pray. If you are like that, you are deceiving yourself. Are you with me? Be resilient. Number two, be resilient in your confession. Hebrews 4, 1 to 2 and verse 14. Hebrews 4, 1 and 2. Be resilient in your confession. The Lord said, as, as surely as I live, said the Lord, that which I hear you say in my hearing will I belong to you. That's in Numbers, I think, 14, 28 or so. But look at this. Look at this. He said, let us therefore fear, lest the promise be left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Why would you come short of the promise of God? Verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in them that had it. How do you mix the word with faith? Your mouth is the mixer. Somebody say, my mouth is the mixer. When a woman wants to bake cake, she will mix the ingredient. Am I right? I'm not a baker, but I know the mix. They have a mixer. Mix the flour and sugar and butter and eggs and whatever. You put everything together and then you press the button and then the mixer will start mixing. Until you achieve the state that you want it to be. Whether you want it to be fluffy. You achieve that state. You mix it. The mixer will mix everything. How many of you will eat cake and say, mm, I'm eating egg. 
I'm eating sugar. Even though egg and sugar, they're part of the components, that's not what you're eating. You're eating cake. You can't separate those ingredients anymore, can you? When you're given cake, ah, I see the sugar, I see the cordial flour, I see egg. No, that's not cake. Are you with me? It is now whole. When you hear the word of God, or when you study the word, and it enters your heart, you must still mix it with your mouth. With the heart, you believe. With the mouth, confession must be made unto salvation. Romans 10.10. 10. With your heart. Okay, this scripture I've read, I believe it. But believing it is not enough. I want it to change my situation. Then take it to your mouth and release it. Are you with me, church? Are you getting what I'm saying? You must, look, a closed mouth is a closed destiny. You must mix the word with faith. Now, 2 Corinthians 4.13 tells us, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and we therefore keep quiet. What do you have in your Bible? When you believe, what do you do? You speak. In the church world, we have been taught over the years how faith comes. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But many, not many know how faith goes. That is how to release your faith. I have faith. Thank God for you. It's not enough to change your situation. It is the faith you release, the action that you release that changes your situation. I told the leaders last night at a retreat, I said, it's not how much you do that changes your life. No, that's not what is important. It is what you do with what you know. And I know how to cook. Oh, Allah. I know how to cook. I can cook fried rice. Audio cook. Audio chef. I can mix bologna. Ah, have you ever eaten my uh, spaghetti bologna? Have you ever eaten my Indo in, uh, Singaporean noodles? Ah, if I make mixed grill for you, I can make mixed grill with my mouth. You have your stick, what you call stick meat. You have your everything. I can make a goosey soup. I can, I can prepare ogbono with my mouth. Get into the kitchen and do it. That's what makes the difference. Am I right? You are hungry and you go to your friend and your friend says, ah, I can make, I can make. Oh, but give me food. I can, ah, I can make. <laughs> if I make food for you, make the food, please. Cook it. Don't watch your life spiral out of control. Just say, I believe. I believe I have faith. We don't care that you believe you have faith. We want to see what you can do with that faith. Are you with me? He said the word preached did not profit them. Go back to Hebrews 4. Why was the word, or why, why did the word profit me, but did not profit them? Why did the word profit us, but did not profit them? The same word, as I'm preaching this morning, this word will profit some people. And it will profit everybody. Because I believe that you will mix the word with faith. Your mouth is the mixer. You must never give up on your confession. Uh, it's not by confession. It's by confession. Take action. Yes. Confession too is an action. In nothing will I be ashamed. Philippians 1.20. That's the confession. Powerful one. Shame is coming like this. In nothing will I be ashamed. Get your scriptures. 
Get your scriptures. Some people call it affirmation. I don't know whether it's affirmation. I call it it's confession. Say what God has said over your life. Homologio it. Homologio is a Greek word, meaning saying what has been said. What has God said over your life? By his stripes, I'm healed. Even though I have symptoms of sickness in my body, but I believe what he has said, so I say what he has said. And what has he said? By his stripes, I am healed. Are you with me? I will be the head and not the tail as you're looking at me. I will never go under. Are you with me? I don't know about you. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I am the first and not the last. In nothing will I be ashamed. I have been young. Now I'm getting older. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken. No, he's still begging bread. So PFE will never be forsaken. His seed will never beg bread. I don't know about you. Are we in the same class? Be resilient in your confession. In verse 14, Hebrews 4, verse 14. Look at what he said. Quickly, please. Verse 14. Let's read this together, everybody. Want to go? See then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold what? Let's hold fast our what? Our profession. It's another word for confession. He said we have a great high priest, and that's Jesus, the Son of God. Is the administrator of our confession. What does that mean? Is the one that administers what we say. So when we say the word of God, for example, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Jesus says, Father, she just confessed now what we have already said. And so it is unto her that way. Amen. 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 The devil is threatening your life with death, early death. What does the Bible say? Psalm 91 verse 16. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. You might have lost your dad young. That doesn't mean you are going to die young. Can I have an amen? amen? That devil will try. Yeah, he will try. That's his own job to keep trying. But he will keep failing. Because the word of God is superior to the devil. Can I have an amen? amen. In Isaiah 46 and verse 4. He said, I have made you and I will bear you. I will carry you to whoa ears. To ears white with age. You will grow so old, your hair will turn white. Not with stress, with age. So it means you will live long. Can I have an amen to that? The Bible says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Hold it fast. Tell your neighbor, say, hold it fast. Tell them in Yoruba language, if they don't speak Yoruba, speak in tongues to them. Hebrews 4.14 again. Let's read the last line. The last line. One to go. Let us hold fast our profession. Why do you need to hold it fast? Because the devil will try to yank it from your mouth. The devil will put so much pressure on you so you can say something negative against yourself. In the midst of the pressures of life, pressure, many of us have spoken evil over our lives. But by the power and the blood of Jesus, such negative confessions are canceled in Jesus' name. People say, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm giving up. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it again. I'm, I'm. And when they say that, they empower the devil to bring it to pass in their lives. Your confession is your bullet. You can give it to the enemy to shoot you. Stop, giving, stop empowering your enemy to destroy you. Use your mouth for yourself, not against yourself. Are you with me, church? Are you with me, church? This one says, let us hold fast our profession. Let's see what Hebrews 10.23 says. Don't forget this one. No. Let us hold fast our profession. Hebrews 10.23. 10.23. The same chapter, the same book. What did he say? 
What did he say? Was that an agreement what we read before? In agreement. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Hold it fast. Hold it fast. When you are flying an airplane, one of the instructions they will give you when you come on board and the plane is about to take off is to fasten your seatbelt. Because they don't know, the pilot doesn't know, you might hit a turbulence in the air. When an airplane hits turbulence, hits a turbulence, 33,000 feet above sea level, if you don't buckle your belt, buckle your seatbelt, you can fall. You may injure yourself. Because the plane will be shaken badly. In some cases, they will have to descend a little. And the process of descending, you will think, ah, the plane is going down. You will speak your native language. That's when you will hear Yoruba from a British citizen. When you were at the airport, I say, in it, in it, in it. In the face of the, ah, <laughs> In the face of the storm. That's why you must buckle your seatbelt. When you buckle your belt, one, two, buckle my shoe. Three, four, knock at the door. Forget the rest. Buckle your seatbelt. When you buckle it, no matter the turbulence, you are not going to fall. Are you with me? Are you with me, church? When I'm driving, you can't sit in the front seat of my car and not use your seatbelt. You cannot. No matter how big you are, I will politely tell you, sir, seatbelt, please. I told somebody recently, say, oh, I trust you. <laughs> Thank God you know me for that. <laughs> Thank you. I was traveling with my mentor, one of my mentors, my marriage mentor, years ago, Motun's mom. We were going to Abuja. But we were going to Lagos to catch a flight to Abuja. And I sat in front. She was at the back. The driver was driving us. All of a sudden, the car coming behind us were in Lagos, and Lagos is by the expressway. There were some church people. They had talked. They were not our church people, from another church. They had talked so much, the driver lost consciousness of the fact that he was driving. He just ran into our car from behind. Gosh! I won't give you too much details because Motu is here. You go and tell that. <laughs> that day, what saved me? Number one, God. Number two, the seatbelt. Because I would have jumped right through the screen, the windscreen. That's why people die when they, through head injury. The impact was so much. So even if you are sitting at the back of a car, it is safe to use seatbelt. Most of us don't do it, though. Most of us. But I can't be driving and you are next to me and you're not wearing a seatbelt. It's impossible. And I don't drive without a seatbelt. Even on the estate, I'm just going to the third house there, I will use my seatbelt. Why is it important? Say, ah, road safety, road safety. It's not for road safety, it's for your safety. Nigerians, when they see road safety, they'll be struggling with seatbelt. And that's when it will not work, especially if you are the driver. Your emotion. Adarela Pakuni. Next time, if a car hits you from behind, people have hit the windscreen. In some cases, so bad, they broke it with their head. And they had a problem with their cranium. This Agbari. And if it breaks, you are in trouble. There's a problem of internal bleeding. There's a problem of whatever all manner of things that can happen. And they say, that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. Is that not why it's important to buckle your seatbelt? 
I've given you an example of the air. I've given you an example of the road. The reason I tell you not to take Okada, one of the reasons, there's no seatbelt. Stop using Okada. Those of you that don't have cars, you will buy cars in Jesus' name. When the storms of life come, the Bible says, hold fast. Hold fast. Hold it fast now before the storms come. So when the storms come, you still hold it fast. Satan wants you to say, I'm finished. Ah, I'm done for. That is what Satan wants you to say. So he will come near. Say, I'm finished. Because now you are finished. You are, ah, you are finished. No, there's no hope again. VC, no hope. Deputy VC, no hope. Admin, no hope. Register, no hope. You just say you are finished. He will encourage you. And the Christian looks up and sighs, heaves a sigh. <sighs> finished. Every time you hear that, ask yourself, who ministered that to you? Or who ministered that to that person? Could it be the Holy Spirit? Come on, talk to me. Can the Holy Spirit minister? You are finished to you. The only time we had finished was when Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished. Salvation work finished. Jesus will not go back to the cross to die for the sins of the world again. It is finished. So instead of saying, I am finished, simply say, it is finished. Because I'm blessed and highly favored. In the midst of trial, I am blessed and highly favored. A sister said to another sister in this church years ago, say for example now, let's say you are poor now. The other sister said, I cannot be poor. This sister said, that's why I said for example. She said, even in the example, I cannot be poor. You know how people can be careless with words. Let's say for example now, you are not going to Lagos, you are not have accident. Eh? I cannot be involved in an accident. No, it's not, it's not you. Like, I'm just saying, for example, even in the example, please use me for good example. Amen? Are you with me, church? Be resilient in your confession. Don't allow anybody to speak death over your life. Number three, this is where I stop for today. Glory be to God. I said glory be to God. Be resilient in praise. Be resilient in praise. Psalm 119 verse 164. Can we have that very quickly on the screen? Be resilient in praise. Praise God when it is convenient. Praise God when it is not. Wake up in the midnight and praise God. It's not every time. God, God, what will I eat? Praise him. Praise him. 164. 119, 164. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Praise the everlasting King. Sing psalms. Sing hymns and spiritual songs. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. I can sing in the spirit. Hallelujah. Praise him, praise him. Praise the everlasting king. Praise him. And if it's Yoruba, you know. Praise him. Uzuwala te mako oriti. Igbani. Ogo. Ogo falana. Hallelujah. Because Hallelujah. 
Let's go to Akwaibom. Imabong, Yenekentak, Imabong, Yenekeuti, Enfrim Prim Mambo, Enfrim Prim Mambo. You can do that in the midnight. Are you with me, church? The evil people. The angels in heaven, they're singing. Jehovah Omeliwo. He says the, the angels in heaven are singing. They are singing, God has won the victory. Has he not won the victory? So sing. Praise him. Whatever your language. If it's Ausa, praise the Obangiji. Praise him. Praise him. When I really get into praise like this, is Yorubao. After I've done my hill song, elevation, worship, Maverick City, and now come to my language. Bawamanyi, Mamanyi logo. Because I don't know how to nyin logo. Lede, lede. De mi yen lo dun nyin logo. But me shon shori, I better do you say that in English. The thought on the nidu, the nidu. What's nidu? Nidu ko. Nidu ni. Oshe, God in the middle. Oshe. You, you, you praise him. Baba, mi yon wansho kudo kembele bi jakadi. I love that one especially. When I remember... Baba me or what chocoto chocoto ekemberi kember go go chocoto tiri that's why you don't see me with chocoto tiri is kember my God my father is not the one that sees battle and runs away some God they are pocket God when they see battle my God no they take off on larogumati arogumasa arogumasojo. Baba mi orogun gogumi oke gajoke oke gajoke the god of the ancient hills olorun awon oke igbani eru jeje eru jeje leti okun gugba eru jeje ekun oko pharaoh i don't know how to say those things in english so forgive me and if you don't forgive me you are forgiven if you are an evil person Begin, I'm giving you an assignment. Dig it out. Somebody came up with Ezendeze. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Number one. Agu. Is that that's his lion? Agu Nejemba one. You can think too. What is God to you? Don't just flow on the revelation of other people. Get your own revelation from the Holy Spirit. Who is God to you? Write it down. Write it down. And then sing it to him. That's your praise. A lot of the Psalms were born out of the experiences of the people of old. David and some other people. Because he wasn't the only one that wrote the Psalms. Write your own Psalms. Begin to write. The God that helped me to pass my exams. The one that saved me from a car accident. Write it down. Bring up your Ebenezer, your stone of your stone of help. Remember what he has done. Praise him. If you are like that, praise time will never be boring to you. 
You may not know the song that the choir is singing, but because you have praise in your spirit, you'll be flowing. I don't, know the, I don't even know the language. I don't know the lyrics, but it will flow because you are full of praise. Praise is comely for the upright. Praise looks good on you. Can I have an amen? amen. Many people complain. The easiest thing to do in the world is to complain. What God has not done. The one he has done, have you thanked him? David said in Psalm 119 verse 164, Seven times a day do I praise thee, O God. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgment. In Psalm 55, 17, he said, I pray three times. Evening, morning, and at noon. Prayer. Praise seven times. You are not as busy as David. Ah, pastor, you know, I'm in tech. We the tech guys. Honestly, I can't come for Bible study. Sincerely, it's not like I don't want to come, but we're either coding or programming or... Pastor, it's not easy. It's not easy. We're busy. I'm in law, Pastor. Before I read the Constitution of Nigeria of 1959 and the one of 1999 as amended by Justice Waste, before I read all those law reports, ah, it's not easy to, go to, to have time to praise God. Okay? Don't worry. Don't praise him. Uh, I advise you praise him. Because the other side of not praising him is not good. Praise him. Praise him. Pastor, I don't have money. Pastor, as in, I've not eaten since yesterday. Praise him. Praise him on empty stomach. Praise him. And see whether your stomach will remain empty after the praise. My family has been in that situation many, many times. Back in the day, in the early days of our marriage. And sometimes too. Once in a while, stuff happens. That there's nothing, just nothing. And God just sends help. I love to praise him. I don't know about you. No wonder David never lost the battle. He was a praiser. Seven, three times prayer, more than double praise. Three times two is six. He put one on top, making seven. Praise. The husband of some women. Not one woman. At least two that we know from First Samuel 30. Eh? There was one given to him before by Saul. The daughter of Saul, Michael. In spite of managing all these women, David would go to the sanctuary and praise. He was the king over Israel. People brought family problems, uh, communal problems, civil problems, uh, 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 crime problems, criminal issues. They brought all kinds of issues to him. After some time, judging, judging them, say, please, excuse me. He will go into the sanctuary, he will go and praise. I had this, this schedule of praise. Nothing could stop that. Ah, we are going to war. Excuse me. Going to the sanctuary. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jehovah, the God of hope. I mean, I mean. One wife was eyeing another. What's your problem? They brought the problem to David. Excuse me. He will go and praise. Several times. How busy are you? And he was a warrior. He was a king. He was a priest. He was a warrior. He was a husband. Seven times. Who are you, students? Only one thing. Who are you? Accountant. Only one thing. Please, I want to beg us. For the rest of the year, please, let's increase our praise. Amen? So, choir, you have my permission to increase the praise time with additional. How much time do you have now? 20 minutes? 15? 25? That's what you have now, currently. Let's make it 30 minutes. I'll give you five minutes extra for praise and worship.
30 minutes, quality, every Sunday. Bible study, we can't adjust that one for now because we close early. But Sunday, 30 minutes. Let's praise and worship him. Half an hour. Is that too much? I will teach someday on the tabernacle of David. Senior pastor has written a book on that already. Very interesting book. Go and get that book. I have a copy. It's blessing me. I will use it to teach you. But if you get it, you will get to know some of the things I will be sharing in advance. How David got people to praise God 24-7. I don't know how he did it. But I think Redeemed Church is doing it now. They're getting different choirs to come and sing, sing, sing. Different schedule to praise God around the clock. They can do 72 hours of praise. 48 hours of praise. 24 hours of praise. Let's praise him more. We will complain less. Hey, get it. Praise will minimize and shrink your problem. It will magnify your God. Magnify the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord. The Lord is able. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, ask Jehoshaphat. From verse 20, Jehoshaphat said, Hey, hear me, O Israel. Believe in the Lord your God. So shall you be established. Believe his prophet. So shall you prosper. And they were going to battle. And he got singers together and asked them to lead the war. Choir. The choir led the war. Choir doesn't lead the war. Army should lead the war. But choir led the war. And they didn't have to fight. Why? The Bible says, give it to me in verse 20, 20, 23 now, or verse 24. As they began to praise God, God set ambushment. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Please forgive me. I want to close now, but go there in your Bible, please. Second Chronicles chapter 20. And verse 22. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord himself set ambushment against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Monsiah, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. The Lord himself fought that battle. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mansiah, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. My God. May your enemies help to destroy one another. Amen. The children of Ammon and Moab, those were the descendants of Lot. When Lot unknowingly had sex with his daughters, one produced Moab, the other produced Ammon. They were supposed to be cousins to the children of Israel, the children of Abraham, the descendants of Father Abraham. But these were a product of incest. So they, were pro they became problems. How can your father also be your grandfather? So you and your mommy, you have the same father. When your mommy says, my daddy is coming, you just say, ah, he's my daddy now. What do you mean? And you are right. Your, daddy, your mommy's dad is your dad. That's the confused family. Moab and Ammon. Then they got together with the people of Seir, Mount Seir. The three of them came together to fight Israel and Judah. They said, we'll finish them. Israel did not have to fight. Judah didn't have to lift a finger. What they did was to praise God. And what were they singing? The song of Moses. For the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. And as they were singing praises to God, God set ambushment. Moab and Ammon, they looked at each other. They said, look at this Seir. They came together to fight. Oh. They said, why are you looking like that? Why are you looking at Judah like that? Are you mad? You say, ah, how can you say, am I mad? Didn't we come together? Maybe we came to fight them. Who came with you to fight them? You are crazy. You are mad. Your father, your mother, 
Ah, you. That was how the two of them teamed up and they killed everybody from Seir. They came together, three of them, to fight. Judah was over there singing and praising God. So, Moab and Ammon now looked at each other. Yourself, you're the mad. Yeah. You're the crazy. I won't say because you're my brother or you're my cousin or whatever you are. I don't even know which, what, what you are saying because we have the same father. Whoa, I will finish you. The Bible said they helped to destroy each other. As you praise God, may God set confusion in the camp of your enemies. Yeah. That was how they won. If you go down to verse 26, they won the battle. They took spoils. They took a lot of goodies. Judah took a lot of goodies from that war. And on the fourth day, they assembled themselves in the valley of Beraka. For there, they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of the same place was called the valley of Beraka unto this day. Let, let me show you what they took. Verse 25. Because we are going to have Baraka. Let's begin to think along that line. Sometime in December, we should have a praise program. We call it Baraka. Hallelujah. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves. More than they could carry away, my God. Gold! Riches, more than they could carry away. And there were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. We will be galloping into the new year with so much. In the mighty name of Jesus. It was so much. The valley of Baraka is the valley of blessing. Baraka is also like Baraka in the Hebrew. Baraka. The Islamic people call it Barakat. It means blessing. The blessing. When you read in your Bible, and the Lord blessed Noah. The Hebrew word is the Lord Barakat Noah. And the Lord blessed Abraham. The Lord Barakat Abraham. The blessing is God's empowerment that produces blessings. Because they praised God, they wound up in the valley of Baraka. Gathering spoil, gathering gold, gathering designer clothes, gathering earrings, gathering all manner of precious things. And they gathered for three days. It took three days to gather. It took three days to go and save the money in the bank. Day one, they saved, saved, they were tired. Day two, they continued to save money. Only God knows how much millions. The Bible says because it was so much. Excuse me. Why would people come to war with all their resources? Have you ever thought about it? The enemies, they came to war with gold, with designer clothes, with food stuff. I understand food stuff. They need to keep eating. How about the gold? Maybe they didn't trust the people back home. So they're going to war, they carry everything. God said, yes, yes, carry it. Take all your gold, 24 karat. All your pure gold, eh, bangles, everything, everything. Lecture, everything. Pack it. My children need it. Eh, put it in the bag. Go and get another one. Yeah, pack it. Eh, carry all your food stuff. Carry everything. Your animal. Carry, carry. Yeah. Carry everything. No, don't leave anything behind. My children need it because God will give it to his children. There is a wealth transfer that is coming to the church. It will come to our church. We will not miss out on this wealth transfer in the name of Jesus. I've seen it in the scriptures. That's exactly what happened at the Valley of Baraka. They transferred 
God transferred supernaturally their wealth. This is not Yahoo. Yahoo is too broke. <laughs> when my God transfers wealth, Yahoo is broke. So this is not Yahoo. This is God transferring legit wealth. Legit. God will bring you clients that will become family. Will bring you customers that will love you and help you. They will go beyond the business to be interested in your personal life. God will bring you dream sponsors. Destiny helpers. In the mighty name of Jesus. Be resilient in your praise. We can exhaust the power of praise today in one sermon. Acts 16, 25 to 32. Paul and Silas prayed in the midnight. But when they engaged praise, the earthquake happened. And everybody's bands were loosed. I keep, I'm amazed at the word of God. I thought it should have been Paul and Silas's bands that should have been loosed. But the bands of the other prisoners too were loosed, who were not partakers of the praise and worship. Because when the blessing comes, it doesn't just affect you, it affects the people around you. That's why don't go and use your head to carry costs because you are faithful around you too. Are you with me? Hebrews 13, 15. Stand on your feet, everybody. Let's read this together from the word of God. By him, therefore, let us offer. One, to go. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How often? Continually. That is the fruit of where? Our lips. Doing what? Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the whole. 